Welcome to the Higher Ed Happy Hour podcast, brought to you by Unincorporated, a higher education agency committed to building awareness and growing enrollment for universities. This podcast provides deans, senior admin, and faculty with the tools, resources, and information they need to grow student interest, design branded content, and launch new programs and courses. Hey everyone, it's Robert from Unincorporated. We have a special episode today, but before we get into that, I wanted to provide a little context. We all know that each individual's academic path is different, whether that be going straight to the workforce from high school, attending trade school, or universities and colleges. Regardless of one's personal educational journey, individuals may feel inadequately prepared for their job on day one. So, How does someone successfully transition into the workforce and avoid the inevitable deer-in-the-headlights look walking into a job on their first day? Or, if it's been a while on the job, how would someone change their career if they're now ready for something different? The answer? Digital credentials. For today's show, we have Ian, the CEO and founder of Unincorporated, sitting down with the chief success strategist at Credly to discuss digital credentials and how they can enhance a student's learning experience as well as your university's curriculum and reputation. Welcome to the show. I am delighted to sit down with Susan Manning, who is the Chief Success Strategist at Credly, here to discuss how digital credentials can help prepare individuals for their job day one and leverage their talents, whether that's after high school or college. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Excellent. So I guess for those listeners who aren't familiar with Credly, why don't we just start there? What is Credly? I'm actually going to start with what Credly's mission is, because I think that's important to understand. We were founded on helping people connect their verified abilities to opportunities. And that could be a learning opportunity or professional opportunity. So ultimately, our mission is to bring equity and access to everyone in the workforce. We're a platform that allows for individuals to access their digital credentials and use them in a meaningful way, and also to make those visible to employers who can then verify those credentials. So it's a roundabout existence, and we are the platform that makes all of that happen. Wow. That's an incredible mission, and I know how difficult it is as an employer myself to really know how to uh, measure those verifiable skills, how to read into, say, a resume or a bio or a long list of experiences and, you know, really kind of sort out uh, exactly where those skills are. So did I hear you correct in the sense that this is like a, a baseline or equitable way to measure and gauge one's abilities and skills? Yes. And what sets it apart is that these are verified. So I could put on my resume that I'm an expert in, let's say, Excel. But you really have no way of verifying that unless I have a digital credential that proves that maybe I went through a curriculum and then I was tested on that skill. So you know that the person who has the skill has been verified. I see. I see. And how did you get involved with Credly's mission and kind of work into this really important role of chief success strategist? 
I was working in higher education and using a lot of technology, and I was introduced to the founder and the gentleman who now serves as our chief operating officer also at a different company. And as our work started to change and grow, and we went into the area of digital badges at the time, I just kind of came along. And then when Credly was founded in 2012, I moved over to that line of work, adding support and working directly with customers to help them understand not just what buttons to push, but how to develop a full ecosystem of credentials. Nice. So there's a little bit of a history there, and it feels like it's something that you've been passionate about for a while and working within this digital badging or credentialing uh, system for some time, making you an expert. Why are digital credentials so important or why else are they important? You've mentioned that it, you know, they're verifiable, they're transferable, right? So you kind of take them with you. They give um, you know, both the employer an immediate grasp of what those skill sets are. And it's also a way for individuals to continue to sort of level up their learning and you know, showcase that. Are there any other reasons why digital credentials are so important? Well, I think in the higher education world, credentials can be smaller components of one's ongoing learning pathway. So let's say I'm working on a degree. And within that degree, I'm gaining really valuable skills. Maybe I could add a digital credential that would mark that skill set in such a way that I could use it right away, even before I complete an academic program. For example, um, maybe I'm interested in visual design and as part of my coursework, I'm learning Adobe products. What if I were also offered the opportunity to test and become a certified illustrator person? And then I have that, that very discreet credential, but it is verified. And I can continue my academic journey while I'm putting that credential to work, maybe work looking for employment or using it in some way to level up on my job. So I think that within the world of education, digital credentials can be a small piece that is very worthwhile to the learner. Yeah, that's true. I've actually, so you probably don't know this, but I'm a faculty member at Cal State LA and I do teach design and business practices for creative professionals. And I've been able to fold in credentials as part of the assessment. So, you know, instead of just taking a quiz to spot check knowledge and make sure, making sure that you're heading towards a learning outcome, the the learner or the student also gets to pick up this credential, right? And and kind of tuck it away in some sense, building their their value as a professional and maybe making that transition between college and employment a little bit easier. As, as part of that process. Exactly. Great use case. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been wonderful. And I, I think the students also appreciate it because there is that concern of, you know, am I going to get the value or extract the value out of my education that I'm ultimately going to need in order to make a smooth transition and pay off all my student debts? So 
um, I think they they're important in that sense too of you know providing value and getting if you will a little bit of a return on that investment. Exactly, and I think there are a lot of areas where new graduates come wanting to jump into the workplace, but they may not be given the opportunities without having had some experience. And this is a way of demonstrating that competency. Yep. When you think about skills like project management, business analysis, marketing, like specifically social media marketing, all of those are areas that can have digital credentials and the the competencies can be documented. Yep. You've mentioned a lot of like hard skills or in in some ways quantifiable skills and talents. Do these also work for say the liberal arts, you know, someone who's maybe studying philosophy or literature for example? There are definitely skills such as critical thinking, communication skills, emotional intelligence, those that again can be observed over time that higher education can also acknowledge. And not just higher education, I think this can be done in a variety of settings where you you can observe as long as you are running a valid assessment in the observation of those skills, you can still put that into a digital credential and represent that person's abilities. I see. And is it up to the, let's say the, the training partner or the school or the college, the employer, is it up to them to kind of design the credential with their rubric or is it something that they kind of pull from a catalog? How does it, what are the nuts and bolts of how this may work if someone wanted to implement digital credentialing? If you are the issuer, then yes, you need to put together that experience and the assessment that goes as part of that. But there are tools that could help. Like I'm thinking about NACE standards for higher education that speak to competencies like communication or professionalism or leadership and what that means. So there are published rubrics that an organization could tap into to set the criteria for their own credentials. I see. And then you mentioned uh, verification. I'm immediately thinking of some peer review mm. <laughs> on that rubric. How does the verification work? If I take a class from you, how do you verify that I have the skills? Well, usually through assessments and okay. you know, tangible <laughs> learning objects. Right. So you, as the faculty member, are putting your stamp on my ability to do that. When the digital credential is issued, What I meant by verifiable is if I share that credential with a future employer, or if I put it on my resume in such a way that you can click on it, it comes back to our site so that you can see this credential was issued to me on a certain date and it is, it has not been tampered with. I see. I didn't take a a screenshot of a certificate and put my own name on top of it saying that I have this ability. Oh, okay. So that's what I mean by verifiable. It's not just me saying that I have the skill, but it is verifiable in a way that you know it hasn't been tampered with. Oh, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. So in other words, 
the issuer, their reputation, their credibility, they're the ones that verify, if you will. Right. They're, they're the ones that kind of give weight or value to that credential. They attest to the fact that the earner has the skill or competency. And then an outsider who's viewing it can verify that indeed that individual earned the credential. I see. I see. I love that. I love that model. So is there like some potential for like uh, misuse or like counterfeiting? Can you easily like replicate these? How how do you protect against anyone uh, sharing or in, in some way like passing it forward as something they've earned when they actually haven't earned it? When a digital credential is created, um, if it follows the open badge standards, there are certain pieces of metadata that are baked into that credential that can't be separated. So if someone just showed you an image, flashed an image of a badge, right? that doesn't mean anything. It's just a picture of the badge. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. But if they share it in such a way that is legitimate, you're going to be able to click and see the issuer, the earner, the date, the criteria, a description of what went into that. It could include endorsements, it could include specific skills, it might have attributes like how long did this take? Is it foundational or advanced? There's a lot of metadata that can get baked into a digital credential. And it's that that keeps it from being passed as fraud. I see. Have there been any discussions about possibly using blockchain technology Mm. to also add a layer of like encryption or verifiability? That's already available. Yeah. So you, you could store your credential on the blockchain and have that safe. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. Nice. So let's circle back. I I think we got through a lot of the kind of the the mechanics of it. Let's circle back and and maybe just up-level this a little bit. You mentioned the terms equity and access as part of Credly's mission. Mm -hmm. You know, is there a group of learners in terms of equity and access or accessibility? Is there a group of learners where these digital credentials help most? I think in the early days, we saw credentials offered by training providers that were engaged in the boot camp world, right? So you wouldn't have to go for a four-year degree at a certain price point, but you could go into a training program and pick up some very measurable skills, get that under your belt, and then move forward maybe in a new career or add a little less of an investment right? And that opens access to a wider range of learners and people who could acquire those skills. That's one of the areas where I see so much potential for digital credentials. And more and more companies are dropping the degree requirement and saying, we want to have people with verified skills, right? IBM and Google come to mind. Okay, And so this is a way for underrepresented populations to pick up those skills that are going to be career enhancing without a doubt or or open the doors to a whole new career. Mhm. Yeah, career enhancement. I like the sound of that. It has a nice ring to it. it of course it it raises the question though, are you competing with universities and colleges? Well, I like to think of it as 
complimenting. But I suppose there are some people who will choose not to complete a degree if they could access training that gets them where they want to be. I'm going to tell a personal story, actually. My oldest child was in her third year at a university, and she said, you know what? I don't like this. I don't like what I'm studying. This is not working for me. So given that we were spending a lot of money, she stopped down. She did some research. She found a program that is a certified surgical technologist program. I didn't even know what that was. (laughs) She stands in the operating room and assists the surgeon. She loves it. Okay. It got her in there. I think it was like 10 months plus an internship. And that was her career trajectory. Now, she may go back and finish that bachelor's degree. But what she wanted at that time was to get to work. And that's what it allowed her to do. Yep. In her case, the credential is not digital. And we laugh about this a lot because she's constantly having to find her card, her membership card, <laughs> her certification of some sort. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, and I, of course, I've said, wouldn't it be nice if? But I think for some learners, that is a better pathway for them. Yeah, makes sense. So it's really about the individual's journey and considering what their goals are in life and measuring that or balancing that with possibly um, you know, some of the expectations or sacrifices that are made with a four-year degree. Do you have any feedback or any advice to those people, maybe administrators who are concerned about digital credentials and how they might devalue a bachelor's or master's degree? I think rather than look at it as devaluing, look at what you can add to enhance your degree completion. Higher education is, is expensive, right? In terms of not just dollar, but time that learners put into that. What can you be adding to their experience that the learner feels they can take away and apply on the job right away? Yeah, that's great. That's great. And that rolls up to the mission of higher education, Mm -hmm. right? Is to be a means of ascension for individuals within society. And so if you come at it with that viewpoint of these can complement and enhance your education, then I I think, yeah, it, it doesn't it doesn't even factor the fact that this is devaluing a bachelor's or master's degree at all. Right. Can I add, I'm just going to represent old people for a moment. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I love that. There are folks that get so far into a career. Maybe you've been working 30 years and you're feeling a need to make a change. Is it worth going back for a second master's? Or could you pick up certain certifications that might allow you to do a career shift? And so I think economically, there's another population that we need to consider. I'm especially mindful of women in their 50s who might want to try something different. And a degree might not pay off. Mm -hmm. That's a great example. And I think for all of us who are lifelong learners, and will change our careers or want to change our careers at, at some point down the road, this is a, this is a great option. So I, I love the, the picture that you painted there for us. And I guess if, 
you know, if, if you were to approach a university, um, say Dean's cabinet, how would you suggest to them that they implement these digital credentials? Would it be, you know, incremental per class? Would it be maybe taking the whole department? What are the best ways to implement these? Uh, I somewhat think it depends on what department or what school. There are some areas, let's say you're uh, in charge of computer science, there might be technical skills that you could align your program with existing credentials, again, that, that students could test for. I see. I gave the example earlier of Adobe, but there are a whole lot of product certifications out there that uh, Tableau, for instance, you might have students in your business school that are learning how to use Tableau. What could you do for them to help them become certified in some way? So you could look at options like that. You could also look at your transferable skills. Are you teaching critical thinking or um, University at Buffalo has wonderful micro-credentials tied to issues like social justice. So where in your coursework might you acknowledge skill sets that aren't popping out of a full degree? Got it. So I guess the, the other way of reframing that question is, do you see the rollout or the implementation happening at the faculty level, like per class or per course, or have you seen success and do you advocate for a university to kind of do this audit and implementation more at the program level or the institutional level? I've seen it done both ways, always actually. I think when you do it at the course level, you've got to be very, very clear that that course is going to make a difference in the person's overall competencies. Yep. And at the institutional level, are there, or at the program level, are, are there challenges? Yeah. The challenge is getting a whole lot of people to come to the table and say, yes, we, <laughs> you know, we're talking about <laughs> right. higher education here, right? <laughs> yeah. Yep. So, how do we take our students' experiences transcended? beyond the business school and the communications department and whatnot and package it together so that it is a meaningful credential. But that takes a lot of coordination. Yeah. And you need approval or buy-in with many key stakeholders. And as you alluded to, that's not the easiest thing to do in an institute or um, academy. So your title contains the word success in it. Mm -hmm. Does Credly provide like a success partner or some coach to help with this onboarding or implementation? Yes, absolutely. Depending on uh, the level at which you subscribe to us, you may have someone like me who walks you through this process. And governance is a huge part of it in starting up, tying your credentials to your overall mission. For instance, we start there. And then we build to what meaningful metadata are you going to want to include and you know, what's your assessment strategy and how are we going to represent this and what buttons do we push? But we, we start with the bigger picture. Yes, absolutely. Even those who choose to do a, more of a self-paced onboarding still get 
some of that content because ultimately we want the people who are creating credentials on our platform to do so with quality because then that just strengthens the entire ecosystem. That's great. Yeah, I know a lot of listeners are going to be intrigued by this and maybe even inspired and motivated to take that next step. And knowing that there's someone there to to help guide that process, I think that's going to be uh, really helpful. Put their mind at ease, mm-hmm. <laughs> so to speak. So we we touched on this, but just to put a finer point on it, who at your university or school or college, who would play the biggest role from your team? Would it be the faculty or the administrators or the deans, like who's sort of the the one to usher this in? Have you seen any trends there between faculty administrators or deans on, on who champions this? I will say that the most successful programs I can think of have, I first want to say, have support from the top. And mm-hmm. That support includes release time for faculty to develop these programs. I see. The ones that struggle are the ones where faculty are expected to pick up this task, but they're not really given room to do that. That's just where the problem is. There there are only so many hours in the day, right? Exactly. So that makes me think, like, when do you start designing? Let's say you're doing a a review of of your syllabus, a faculty member reviewing syllabus, getting ready for fall. When would you begin planning for an implementation of these credentials? Would it be like one year? Could you do it in a month, a week? I wouldn't recommend doing it in a month. I would say at least one semester. Okay. So that's a comfortable amount of time Mm -hmm. to review your syllabus, see where you might plug these in. And then, you know, taking the rest of the time to, to really, as you mentioned, upload the rubric, get set up in the system, work with your success coach. There's a huge aspect, too, that we haven't touched on, and that is marketing. And I specifically mean marketing to the earners to help them understand what's coming, what they can do with these mm-hmm. credentials, and coaching them through what happens when they get it. But to that point of starting up, some of it depends on how familiar faculty are with these concepts. I do have a group that came to me this summer and said, we've already been studying this, so we know where this plugs into our curriculum. Here are the standards. Here's what we're thinking of. And they even went to their marketing people and had the visual design done. That's great. And because it was a small academic unit, they were able to get up and running within a month. But that is the exception versus the rule. Most institutions need at least a semester to get everything together before they're ready to offer it. Yep. Right. So you're saying too, that if you have some marketing and communications behind this, this could actually increase the perceived value of your course and maybe even help usher in other courses within your program to adopt digital credentialing. Without a doubt. Yeah. I love that. I love that point. And you mentioned a word, this this struck me. You said earners mm-hmm. instead of learners. Is that uh, like a vernacular yeah. change that you've made at Credly? No. Some of us will say both like learner, earner, almost as if it's a hyphenated <laughs> term. There are some credentials where the issuer 
is not providing the background education for it. Some certifications, you can learn the content elsewhere and then come and take the test and you get the certification, right? So in that case, somebody is an earner. In higher education, Mm -hmm. it's usually a use case where the person comes to school and they learn through that institution and then they receive the credentials. So then we would call them a learner. So you could be a learner or an earner. (laughs) Yeah, and you could probably also make a case that you are earning and learning and you're learning and earning. So Mm -hmm. hence the the hyphenation. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, that's great. That's great. I'm glad we we discussed that. So last uh, question or two here. How would you suggest an agency like Unincorporated who is dedicated to the mission of higher education, how would you suggest an agency help implement digital credentials for the schools and colleges and universities that they represent? I think maybe being aware of what the workplace needs are, what are the skills and competencies that are needed, and what credentials align with that, and then help colleges and universities see where they might incorporate or design Mm -hmm. experiences that would uh, verify those skills. I see. And it's a, you mentioned it can be a time-consuming process, or it takes time to do it properly. Mm -hmm. Is it also expensive? It depends on the product that you use in terms of the digital credentialing company, you know, how many credentials are you giving out? Sure. Are you looking at 500 a year or 5,000, 5 million? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's fascinating and, and we haven't, uh, admittedly, you know, our, our agency hasn't been a champion for digital credentialing as part of like the services that we consult on and, and provide. So yeah, having a sense of what those entry points are uh, will be helpful for us. Is there anything else you want to leave the listeners with? Well, I think I'm going to double back to the success part and that there are Mm -hmm. people in the industry who can help you think through this and create a a meaningful credential system that is valued by both the workforce, employers, as well as the people who are earning the credentials and are proud of those. And there needs to be a full circle kind of experience for this to work. Mm -hmm. And so you may need coaching in that area. I see. And are you implying that that would come from Credly yeah. or are there other? Of course. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. So what would be a next step? What's the proper next step for someone who wants to go a little bit further? I think you are right that probably hitting our website and asking for a demo would be a great next step. We also have a series of monthly webinars that okay. folks are welcome to join, no cost. And On the Credly website, there are an amazing array of resources available, former webinars, and you can search on just higher education and see a whole lot of content, whether it's webinars, podcasts, white papers, blog postings that are specific to higher education. Excellent. And I encourage everyone who is listening to go ahead and take that next step, learn a bit more and 
reach out, I guess, with any additional questions directly to Credly. Susan, it's been a wonderful conversation. Thanks for your time. Thanks for coming on the show to uh, share a bit more about digital credentialing and how this might you know, play an important factor in course curriculum, but also maybe at the institutional level. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Higher Ed Happy Hour podcast. For more higher ed specific resources, or if you'd like to be a guest on the show, please visit unincorporated.com.